Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Breeze. Passes incomplete. No flag for Tommy Lee Lewis. Crowd's going crazy as there's no flag right on the Saints' sideline. Well, if Nikel Roby Coleman plays the ball, it's an interception. It's probably going the other way with it. I mean, the ball's on the other side of Roby Coleman, and but that should have been a penalty. That highlight, courtesy of the NFL on Fox. I'm Rami Makhlouf, along with Judd Zolgad. It is Purple Daily every day at noon right here on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. You can watch us live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Easy to follow all those at Score North. You want to get in on the conversation, 651-646-8255, or tweet the show at Score North. Coming up a little bit later on in the show, what you were thinking as a Vikings fan while watching those conference championships championship games on Sunday, but wanted to start off the show, Judd, with that play that we just heard right there, the non-call heard around the world in the NFC championship game. And just quickly, something that's been bugging me now for two days, Mm -hmm. how did Aikman bury the lead so bad? Aikman's immediate response is, that ball could have been picked off. Right. Troy, you just saw, you're a former quarterback, you just saw a receiver basically get wiped out before the ball got to him. Like, wouldn't your immediate analyst response have been like, that's an interference call and helmet to helmet? This is what separates Tony Robo yeah. from Troy Aikman. I, I don't even mind Troy, but I've just, I've listened to that for three days now. And like, his first response was, that could have been picked and off. By the way, it probably couldn't have been picked <laughs> off. You listen to Mikhail Roby Coleman tell it, no. he'll tell you he was beat. Oh, he, you're right. Anyway. That's been bugging me for three, two, three days now. How do you miss that one as as the guy in the booth? If you're Aikman, you see it and you think to yourself, your first response should be, my God, that's one of the worst pass interferences I've ever seen. And, oh, by the way, if it's not that, it's also Helmet Helmet. Another anyway, thing, I digress. Another thing Mikhail Roby Coleman said after the game essentially is, hell yeah, that was pass interference. Even he admitted that that was pass interference. And he wasn't even supposed to be covering him, right? He was right. supposed to be on Kamara yeah. and bailed on Kamara and, and raced over halfway across the field to cover him and the re- to cover Lewis. The reason why uh, Roby Coleman incriminated himself is because he saved the Rams' bacon because the Rams' defensive set, in that case, the personnel messed up. So he didn't care. He's just saying, I saw the receiver open, I took off. So it's not like I got beat. It's like oh, I just peeled off the guy and darn straight I interfered with him, which he did. 
But yeah, no, his he didn't give a damn about about admitting that he screwed up because in his mind, and he's right, he saved him. So here's the question that I have. And again, you want to get in 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. And I know that this sounds like a crazy question on the surface because it sounded like a crazy idea to me when it was first presented, Judd. But should they replay the NFC Championship game from the spot of that call? Again, 651-646-8255. And I know Saints fans want retribution, and, and they're consider- or some of them have actually filed for legal action already, which, again, sounds crazy, but... The day after the game, Michael Thomas, the uh, all-pro receiver of the New Orleans Saints, he just tweeted out simply at the NFL with the heartbreak emoji and the Saints emoji, Rule 17, Section 2, Article 3. That's all that the tweet read. That's all the tweet read for Michael Thomas. And I actually have, okay, from the ESPN story that was published about the Saints fans filing lawsuits against the league, I found this. Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1. Mm-hmm. The NFL commissioner has the, quote, sole authority to investigate and take appropriate disciplinary and or corrective measures if any club action, non-participant interference, or calamity, turn the page here, mm-hmm. occurs in an NFL game which the commissioner deems so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. All right. Fast forward. Rule 17, Section 2, Article 2 mm-hmm. reads, The commissioner will not apply a... I have a feeling like I'm in a courtroom. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Permission to treat as hostile, Rami. The commissioner will not apply... The, the commissioner will not apply authority in cases of complaints by clubs concerning judgmental errors or routine errors of omission by game officials. Games involving such complaints will continue to stand as completed. So Article 2 becomes the most important thing, and that is, do you deem this to be uh, a complaint concerning judgmental error? The question is yes. Routine error, you could debate, I guess. But I would say, ultimately, if you are Roger Goodell, you don't ever consider opening up this Pandora's box unless it is something so extraordinarily bizarre that we have never seen before. Because then I guess my question about Sunday's non-call is, if you were to do that, let's just say you went down that path and mm-hmm. said the Saints got screwed, it's totally unfair, and the referees goofed up, the question then becomes, where would you stop? I don't I don't think I don't think you even have to go down that road, Judd. I mean, if there was ever a circumstance that describes what you just went through, it happened on Sunday. It it was so blatant to the point that even the guy who committed the penalty came out and said after the game, yeah, I committed the penalty. And like we talked about on Mackie and Judd with Rami the other day, that's not that's not some call in the second quarter. No, but it's a judgmental error. It's a judgmental error. It, fall, it falls flat under Article 2 of that same rule. It's a judgmental error. But it's it's so, a terrible error, but it's a judgmental it's error. It's so blatant. There's not one person who knows even the, the littlest bit about football who watched that play on Sunday and didn't think that referee missed a call, including the beneficiaries of that call, including the head coach of the Los right, but, Angeles Rams. But they still they all, they all fall under, if you're the Rams, you benefited. If you're the Saints, you clearly did not. It all falls under the fact that it is an awful judgmental call. So it's not outside that scope. So if you're Goodell, I don't think that you can touch this thing. Then what can he touch? 
If it's not this, then what he why why does this I would provision say, even exist in the rule book if if it doesn't apply to this situation I, that we find ourselves in now? I can't answer the exact question. I can tell you I don't believe that that we have seen it and we'll know it the day that we see it. And it's going to be it has to be beyond the officials blowing a call like this. Because it's a judgmental call. It, they just missed it. But everybody who saw that knows that the judgment know, but do was you really, wrong. But do you really think that we can now reconvene for this game? Would, yes. Would, would you really start <laughs> yes. this game up again no, or no, no. play from that point? Not, not start it so, over. Where, where do we stop with, with that? The Vikings in 2009 got royally screwed. The Lieber P.I. calls awful. Like, do we need to go back? And, and in 2009, Vikings fans talked about the same rule. Lieber got a basically got called for a PI where he face guarded, which you don't have to technically in the rule book turn around. Mm-hmm. And Viking fans invoked the same rule and said that's a terrible call. They should go back and at that point in time start the game up again. And of course, it was not discussed by the, the league and it was not going to happen. But I think if we if we open this Pandora's box, man, I don't know where we stop. I don't think there's any way, shape, or form that this qualifies. And for the record, they won't do it. No. I mean, <laughs> they're not even considering it. This hasn't even come across I think it has to be, Roger Goodell's desk. I think it has to be an act that we have yet to see that would actually cause a commissioner to go back, especially in a game like this, but in a game period, and say, we need to go back now and start from that point because th- because X, Y, or Z occurred. What would need to happen? Lightning striking at, at, the, at the moment? That the ball gets to the receiver's hands. What darn close? Yes, Ma- Manny. Am I crazy? Because this is one of those. This is one of those times where I'm willing to admit. Okay, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm going a little bit too far. But in reading that again, the commissioner's powers under this section to include the imposition of monetary fines and draft choice forfeitures, suspensions of persons involved in unfair acts, and if appropriate, the reversal of a game's result or rescheduling of a game, either from the beginning or from the point of which the extraordinary act occurred in the event of rescheduling the game, the commissioner will be guided by the procedures specified in 17-1-5-11 above. In all cases, the commissioner will conduct a full investigation, including the opportunity for hearings, use of game video, and any other procedure the commissioner deems appropriate. Look at that video from every angle, and you're going to see pass interference. When, if if they're not going to do it in this case, when, if ever, can the commissioner actually use this provision? But think about the only reason why we're even having this conversation is because the Saints lost. If the Saints win that game, they and they had a chance, even after that play, to win that game, they got the ball first in overtime. And Drew Brees threw the interception, and then Legatron drilled the 57-yarder to win it for, for L.A. If the Saints go down in overtime and score a touchdown and win the game, we're, we're talking about how egregious that non-call was, but nobody is protesting about trying to replay the game or anything like that. It's only because the Saints lost the game. I, and they had opportunities to win the game even after this Terrible, ridiculous, awful, worst non-call in the history of the league. And they didn't get it done. I mean, you got to admit, this as non-calls go, and you brought up the Lieber it's call. It's really this is, bad. This is as egregious as it gets, is it not? Yes. Okay, I've got the answer. In fact, you know what? You know what? I can torture this into actually working to get everybody back on the field. The first part of the rule that we went through earlier, which is Rule 17, Section 2, Article 1, all right? reads in which the commissioner deems something was so extraordinarily unfair or outside the accepted tactics encountered in professional football that such action has a major effect on the result of the game. 
What you need to do right now, if you want to do this before the Super Bowl, you need to actually go and investigate Bill Vucinovich's crew right now. And if anybody was betting on the point spread or that game, that would be that that's that, different. That yep. would be reason to go back and replay. Because Article Two is very clear. A judge this is a judgmental as far as we know right now, it is a judgmental error. All right? Judgmental errors don't get you to the line of saying everybody goes back and the game is replayed from that spot. But what would get you there is if we could find out that the officials were actually gambling on that game, if it was alleged and proven, and then then you have something so outside the scope of the norm that the Saints were playing a game in which they did not have a real chance because the officials, or at least one of them, was making sure that the Rams won. So there would have to be some sort of ulterior motive Absolutely. to yes. that blown call, it can't in be, your opinion. It can't be, I'm a moron, I screwed up. But if I know... Vito from Vegas, and I had placed a bet <laughs> on that you game. Use the name Vito. You know, Vito, <laughs> Vito here. How much you want on the Rams? Uh, I won a lot, hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, then then I am to the then I am to a place where Roger Goodell would have to where I would be incarcerated, and where Roger Goodell could rightfully say the Rams were playing against a stacked deck. You got to go back and play because that's not because you're talking about like the overall integrity of the game. You're correct. That, that that goes beyond just this referee just screwed up and didn't didn't make the call when he should have. Correct. Have you guys seen the footage, and now I'm going down Conspiracy Road, which I don't very often, but oh, I do. there's footage <laughs> of the, the referee on the spot, and I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on their names right now, but the referee on the spot who actually should have made the call. Mm-hmm. After the play, he's walking up to the crew chief and has his hand on the flag. And neither of them were mic'd up. You don't hear what they're saying, but you see the crew chief going he's and you can see he's making a hand motion going don't pull it don't pull it don't pull it so i not no i've not seen that looks, I, have, it, I, haven't, I haven't seen that no. it looks to me like the referee on the spot knows he screwed up and not calling it on the spot and was going to throw the flag late and the crew chief for whatever reason and you can say the fix is in whatever the case might be the crew chief was adamant in telling him not to throw that late flag I have not seen that. And again, that we're reading okay. body language. Well, let's start reading inv- lips. Let's open the investigation then. Let's open the investigation. Let's find out. Because you, what you're saying qualifies to be done if we can find an ulterior motive from this officiating But crew. you're saying just a blown call. I don't think a blown Even call. Even as blatant well, as it was. The commissioner will not apply authority in cases of complaints by clubs concerning judgment errors or routine errors of omission by game officials. This is clear cut. But Just, that's a this routine right now, error. I mean, that's but it's a judgmental e- error. There, there's no. It's an awful error at a as bad a time as almost as you could possibly get. But I still deem this to be very much a judgmental error. And unfortunately, unfortunately, you know what. With the officiating done by some of the guys in this league today, it is routine. We've seen mystifying calls in 2018, yeah. or we saw, right? Like they, and, and I've always sympathized with these guys because I honestly think they're paralyzed by a bunch of idiots who sit in boardrooms and make up the rules in slow mo. 
You know what, Ted? That looks like an error. Pass me a margarita. Let's rewrite that rule. <laughs> and then and then these guys expect these officials to get out there in real time and make the correct interpretation and call. Now, in this case, it's just a plain miss. I'm not excusing it. But I do, I do side with the problem that officials have when they're given this rule book year after year that grows and grows and grows and has, you know, this is a catch. Now this is. Uh, and so th- their job is tough. But in this case, yeah, it's a judgmental error of epic proportions, and there's no excusing it. So then the question becomes, okay, let's say they do do some sort of investigation, and they do find that a member of Bill Vinovich's crew was doing some shady stuff, betting on the game or whatever, and made a call or didn't call that play because he had some money riding on the game or something like that. What what? There's there's a rule in place that says the league can you know Goodell can step in and do something, but is there enough time to do something? I mean, yeah, there's two weeks before the Super Bowl. They could line but, this. They could line this thing up on Thursday night. It would be the first time they asked players to go out three days after they played a football game. Can you imagine the ratings? By the way, <laughs> it'd be off the charts. Coming up on Fox. You thought it was over. I guess <laughs> it's never over. I guess super no. I guess my question is is there enough time for an investigation to be complete before no. you know in order no, for them I to mean, be able to do anything? Not the one I'm suggesting. They right. cleared a Supreme Court justice in twenty four hours, guys. I mean, of course they could Did you bet on the game? Yes, I'm sorry I did. Okay, go replay it. Now 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 speaking of conspiracy theories and interesting things I got this from a guy and I did not check it out a tweet on Sunday night but I'm looking at the game books right now and at least the name is accurate so the field judge in Sunday's game at the Superdome was a guy named Tom Hill okay somebody sent me this note and said look at the 2009 NFC Championship game book for the call on Lieber for face guarding basically and Tom Hill was your side judge. So it's very possible that the same guy that decided to not call the or to throw the flag on Ben in 2009 worked and made the same decision only to not throw the flag in 2019. Interesting. Hmm. Odd. Odd that you I demand have, a full investigation. Odd that you would have a come to Jesus that that a face guard in 2010, which shouldn't be a penalty, was a penalty that aided the Saints. That aided, yes. And now, yeah, it's just weird. It was <laughs> and pointed this time out to me. It and went it's against true. the Saints. Yeah. I want a full investigation. I don't care if the Super Bowl isn't well, played until March. I want to know what's going on here. You're the ratings. I can only. Imagine you thought you were done with Buck and Aikman. Oh, that'd be great. It's only started. It'd be so good just for the drama, <laughs> if nothing else. But I'll admit, I'll flat out admit, this is the childish side of me coming out that wants this game to be replayed from that spot. You know how, as a kid, you think everything should be right and just and fair, and your dad has to tell you life isn't fair. Like sometimes right. life just isn't fair. I can't right. tell you how many times my dad said that to me. Life isn't fair. Whenever I would cry that this isn't fair. So I I get what you guys are saying, that this is probably a pill that we just have to swallow. I just feel like in a spot that crucial, in a game that big, we got to get it right, guys. We have to get, there is no, getting it wrong is just not an option. And yeah, they might have still lost that game. Even if they call pass interference on that play, they might have still lost that game. And Manny, you're right, the Saints had chances after that to win that game. Mm -hmm. But damn it, let's get it right. And, And they will try now, but not how you want. They're going to try by re- 
writing the rules, and giving you more replay. That's how they're going to try now. That doesn't satisfy me. I, I feel like you need to go to the National Football League offices in Manhattan today, fly out there, walk right up, demand to talk to Goodell, and demand the justice and the pound of flesh that you want so badly here, Rami. I'm going to do it. 651-646. I won't be in on Mackie and Judd with Rami today. 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. Am I an idiot? Should they replay this game? Get in on the show like uh, Mike and Hopkins did. Mike, what's up, man? Uh, yes, you are, and no, they shouldn't. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Manny, thank you for being a voice of reason in this, this madness here. Um, you guys are falling prey to... Now, first of all, not a, not a Saints fan, not a Saints hater, so i got no dog in this fight. But guys have been missing calls and blowing games for years. It's just like Twitter and social media. It's the fact that we see it over and over again. There's the instant reaction makes it seem bigger. So you just got to let it go. But if you do go back, why pick that call? There's a handful of other calls that I've seen on video that went the other direction that were also egregious. How do you pick a spot, which is why you don't open, the, open up this can of worms, or basically you destroy the game as we know it. Thanks for the call. Am I, am I being prisoner of the moment and, and buying into all the hype and outrage surrounding this call and saying that's as bad? Well, it's a, a terrible call. It's a terribly blown call. And it's as bad a blown call as I have ever seen. Forget the situation. I don't care if it's a first quarter pass interference in week one of the NFL season. That's as bad and as badly missed a call as I have ever seen in my 30-plus years of watching football. Is that, is, that, is that crazy for me to say? Not necessarily, but, it's, but it still does not get you to the point of going back and stopping, stopping the game now and going back to that point. So, no. Are you, I think you're right. I think the call is atrocious. It's terrible. Is it the worst call I've seen in, in watching sports, which I've done since 1978, basically? I don't know. It probably comes close. But when you're talking about does this meet the threshold of having the commissioner actually step in and say it's so bad that you're going to go back and play from that point on, I just don't see it. It's, I not. Don't, it's, a ju- it's a terrible judgment, but unless you can prove that there was an underhanded means to it, I just think it's too bad. Hmm. And plus, Sean Payton lost, and that was glorious. (laughs) Let's be honest. Seeing Sean Payton suffer. What were you thinking as a Vikings fan watching those championship games on Sunday? Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com, and watch us live, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Score North. We're back right after this. Minnesota sports junkie? Get your fix. Scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. That's S-K-O-R, north.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, where you can watch this fine show five days a week at noon at um, all those fine social media websites. I'm Rami Makloff. There's Judd Zolgad. And uh, Judd, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I watch championship games, Super Bowl games, the deeper it gets into the playoffs, I watch those games and I, 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 I watch it and wonder as it relates to either the team that I root for, or the teams that I'm covering, and watching that game on Sunday looked like a different brand of football than what you watch with the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, it was, it was glaringly different than, than what you get on a regular basis from, from the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't say that 
in a critical way. I don't say that. I don't say that to insult the the Minnesota Vikings by any means. Different doesn't mean better or worse, but it is a completely different style and brand of game that the Vikings play from what we saw from pretty much all four of those teams on Sunday. Uh, two thoughts here. Agree with you completely offensively. Disagree defensively. And I think this Vikings team on defense is very good right now. Still can be. And I have no doubt that they could come back in 2019 and be uh, very successful. Offensively, you're exactly right. And that so I guess the big talking point to me off off what you're ta- of off of what you're discussing here, I should say, is this. Is this league trending in a way that with some tweaks and some correct moves and, and cousins being propped up more in 2019 that the Vikings can come back offensively and be competitive w- with what we're seeing right now and the way this league is going or has that ship sailed? They signed the wrong QB. And and yes, they can still be okay or good, but as far as among the most competitive teams in 2019, can they do enough offensively to get there? I have my doubts. I think this league in the last two years or so has turned a corner. And when you watch the Mahomes operate and the Goffs and more importantly, McVeighs and the Rams, and when you see where this league is going from a quarterback standpoint with its best QBs and and with its most creative offensive guys. Can Gary Kubiak coming in, working with Stefanski, and trying to prop up Cousins fix that? I have serious doubts. Serious doubts. So, So on defense, I think the Vikings might be absolutely fine, very competitive, very good. But with where we're going and offenses and their production and how good they've become and the corner they've turned... I don't know that the Vikings can get there. Yeah, I mean, I look at it, and I first of all, the the weapons are there. I mean, you you look around the Vikings' offense, and not many teams have Thielen, Diggs, Dalvin Cook, and and Rudolph at at tight end. I mean, those those four names right there, as far as offensive weapons, it's hard to match that when you look at other NFL teams. And I don't even think, I'm not ready to declare, and I know I'm in the minority here, but I'm not ready to declare, as you did, that Kirk Cousins is the wrong quarterback per se. I don't know. I've got serious doubts. I think I feel like the 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 highest level quarterback will succeed in almost any position, any situation that you put him in. And Kirk Cousins certainly isn't that. But I do think that Kirk Cousins is that next level of quarterback who, if put in the right situation with a decent offensive line and some weapons around him, he can be good enough for your offense to run at a very high level. We see the weapons, which I just went through. Yep. Now you got to give him. Now you got to keep him off his back and and not running for his life. The most important thing, though, in my mind, the most important thing, without a doubt, and, and we saw it with Shermer in 2018. We didn't see it in 2019, gents. Is coaching offensively? Do you have the right guy? I, I keep coming back to this, but it's so important. Kirk Cousins was signed here and treated like a top five QB. Massive mistake. That's on the Vikings. That's your fault. Now, now he was disappointing, and that's too bad. That's on him. But it is the Vikings' fault that they signed him to that huge contract and said, okay, you got the money, now go do it. I think the thing that we forget consistently in this conversation and that needs to be brought up each and every time that we're talking about if the Vikings can go from where they were this year to where they want to be next year 
is coaching, and can you get the right offensive system, play calling, and basically confidant for Cousins to make that work? Because in 2018, they came nowhere close. And that's why we've had this conversation the last few weeks about are the Vikings just better served? I mean, everybody wants to talk about the offensive line, and yeah, the offensive line wasn't good, particularly you know, the guard play wasn't very good. But you have to wonder if if they just need to load up on more talent across the board on offense, even at receiver, you go get a third receiver, go get another tight end. Who's to say, I mean, if Latavius Murray is is let go, who's to say they can't go out and get another running back to compliment Dalvin Cook out of the backfield? I it's, mean, it's they got too, though. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's, their, it's their scheme, yeah, their scheme stunk. Yeah. Like they asked did, Cousins yeah. to do things he was not capable of doing. And, and I don't care how much you paid him. It's your fault and shame on you for assuming after you watched every snap in Washington, you didn't know his his shortcomings. But I think you also have to look at Kirk Cousins as him being who he is, and you have to try and surround him with as much talent, rather that be on the offensive line or at the skill positions as as possible so that you can implement a scheme that can have the most success, Fair. have as much success as possible. Otherwise... You do have if you're not going to go do that. I mean, your defense is already good, and if you're not going to go and surround Kirk Cousins with more talent, then you do have to look at him and say, "Hey, dude, we're paying you twenty eight million dollars a year. You need to be better than what you've been." Right, and that's that's what I was just about to say. I like the tools. I even like Kirk Cousins, and I know I'm in the minority here. I'm going to keep saying that because I want to make sure you know that I know that we're in disagreement on that. But many of you, at least, when it comes to the quarterback position, I just don't know that even if you fix the offensive line, right. if this offense right. is going to go in the right direction. And I don't even know if I would blame it on the offensive coordinator. Filippo was not a popular guy around here, and I get that. But who was the guy who was pounding his, his fist on the podium at press conferences week in and week out saying, we need to run the ball more? That's not where this league is headed. And I know, I know the Patriots ran the ball successfully, and that's a big part of the reason that they were able to win that game on Sunday night. But that's just not the way that this league is headed. And not to mention, you have a running back in Delvin Cook who you don't have to turn but, around, hand the ball off to, and pound it between the tackles for 60 but, minutes. But that's the question. You are, to me, bringing up the key point. Has this league and the evolution and where we sit right now in this discussion passed the Vikings by? That's my question. There's a chance the it has. They, yes, they, there's a chance that what they've built would win you a Super Bowl in 2008. There, there is a chance that as the Vikings sat in their Egan shop building and molding this thing, that the prominent teams in this league pass them by. That's my question. Are we looking at are we looking at a losing game that the Vikings are playing? Because listen. The people that work for that team can only go so far. Like mm-hmm. they, they are not in a position, and Kubiak was hired because of this. But the majority of people in that building in Egan aren't prepared or don't know how to go down a path that, that the McVeighs of the world are going down. Belichick can do it because he's just so damn smart, right? Kansas City is doing it. Andy Reid has morphed his philosophy beyond belief. Mm-hmm. But guess what? He's a genius offensively. It worked. So... I really think the interesting long view picture and conversation here is are the Vikings playing a game that's stacked against them because of their philosophy on what to do and it's just too late because they they didn't they didn't just go 
they didn't just go eight, seven, and one because they were weak at the guard position on the offensive line. Like, and 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 it seems like a lot of people are just looking. Well, you just got to get them an offensive line. Just get them an offensive line, and everything will be fine. I don't. I don't think having two upgrading two guards is going to take you from eight, seven, and one to thirteen and three. Like, there's there's a lot of issues here. No, but Judd, maybe maybe the ten and six. But is that is even then though? If they go in at ten and six, you're with in the fight. Guards. Are they going to LA and beating the Rams? I'm yep. not sure. And and are they going to New Orleans and beating the Saints after what we just saw this this past weekend? I don't know. And you're in the fight, but are are we talking about being in the fight here and trying to win a division, or are we talking about a team that has aspirations of a championship? They were in the NFC Championship game last year because they can fight. But I mean, they can be in the fight. I can get them in the fight. Give me the job. I can get you right. Your personnel is mm-hmm. good enough. But what I think I what I can't do right now is I can't look at the Rams and the Patriots and the Chiefs and say I'll get you there. I don't know how. And my question to you See, guys is, do they know how? And my answer is I don't think so. They've got a defensive mastermind, and offensively Kubiak might help them. But we're talking about we're talking about looking. We're going to I believe in ten years talk about the era that we're in now and and talk about the the morphing of offense and football as we know it, where things began to change. Can the Vikings adapt? I don't know. And I just don't know if Mike Zimmer is will. I think, I mean, it comes down to Mike Zimmer. Is he willing to adapt? Because like you just said, Andy Reid has changed the way he calls an offense dramatically over mm-hmm. the course of his career. He's evolved with the league. Last week, when or a couple weeks ago now maybe, when they announced the Kubiak signing, you were going through his years at Denver and just reading off they were top three in the league in rushing attempts, top two in the league in rushing attempts. Led the, his, his entire tenure when he was the head coach in Denver, they had a heavy emphasis on running the football. I wonder if Gary Kubiak has, has adapted and evolved the way that Andy Reid has. And even if he has, will Mike Zimmer let him call this, this new style of offense that he would hypothetically want to call? I think my personal opinion is that Mike is being removed as much as possible from that side. When Shermer was here, Mike basically abdicated and said, I coach defense, that's great. I think the only way that Mike gets involved is if Mike doesn't trust you. And we still don't know to this day, the flip hiring is sort of weird. Like, how much was Spielman taken with him? How mm-hmm. much was Mike taken with him? Because because uh, John could give him the secrets of what the Eagles did against the, the uh, Vikings in the conference title game. So I don't know that there was ever really a trust there. And, and I think that right now, Mike is head coach of defense. Gary is head coach of offense. I still don't know that that gets you to where you want or need to be. And the other part of it, too, goes back to the philosophy side of this. You know, if if they're gonna take this next step and get back into championship conversations, and they want to improve the offense, aside from just changing the scheme, they may have to make some sacrifices on the other side of the ball. And is the head coach, head coach defense, gonna want to sacrifice a couple of his guys that he loves to try and coach up some guys that may not be as talented? The GM has to, to say. To, I mean, the GM has to tell him. That, you're, you're, 
you have no choice. Yes. And and that's and that's this. what they have to that that may be the direction that they have to go in to, to look at Mike Zimmer and say, dude, okay, we know you are a defensive genius. Well, and now you know what? We may have to take a little bit away. We may have to let like an Anthony Barr or somebody like that go so we can go get a tight end so that dif- your offense is better. The difference this time though is Rick has to tell Mike that this is what we're doing with no choice to you because if it doesn't work, they're all fired. Yeah. Like there's no, I'm going to be here a long time and I'll do, you know, head coach, I'll do what I want. A lot of jobs are on the line. If Mike, if Mike says, I don't want to lose my defensive tackle or my corner, Rick is going to say, Mike, if you're wrong about this and you might be here, especially if, if we can't improve our offensive personnel, we're all fired. So I'm doing it too bad. Here's the good news in my eyes. When you talk about catching up to the the Chiefs or the Saints or the Rams of the world or Manny, you talk about how do you go from eight seven and one to thirteen and three? I don't think the margin or the gap is that big, I, and because that's just the nature of the NFL. I mean, when you watch this league on a week to week basis, how many blowouts are there in a given NFL week? One, one, maybe two, and that that's always the silver lining in in every team's bad or disappointing season. They go, well, you know, we only lost this one by three and this one by six, so a play here and a play, and a play there. Which there is some credence to that because that is literally the margin from from really good to sort of bad in the NFL. So it's it's the downside is it's easy to fall off that off that pedestal. But the good news is it's also easier to catch up in the NFL than it is in most leagues. I think that if if they show some willingness to adapt and evolve That's and add a, and add a couple of offensive linemen. We're having a very different conversation six, seven, eight months from right now about the Minnesota Vikings. But are they are they then a championship team? Is I my think, question. Yeah, I think that they could because I don't know if adding I don't know if just adding two guards just suddenly makes them. No, no, you have to change the way you think. You have to change the way you think. Right. You may have to add another receiver. But the conversations here tight end. are twofold. The first one is and and the, the three of us could do this. Can you get that team in the playoffs? You can do that. I can get you there. You could. You could. Now, okay, but let's talk about a year from now. Can you get here? Can you get to where, can you get past the step that a a year ago you couldn't and the game is evolving and changing again on you? Can you, can we be talking in the off week before the Super Bowl about a Vikings team that's still playing? That's the question to me. And we have to, and let's not forget, I mean, they did make the NFC Championship game last year, but they got there because Marcus Williams was an idiot and wouldn't tackle Stephon Diggs. Yeah. Otherwise, they were one and done and out of the playoffs last year. As good as they were With last year. With a brutal year. loss. You're right. Yeah. No, you're as right. good as they were last year, right. it was a miracle play that got them into the NFC Championship game. And a lot of this improvement that we're talking about is going to have to happen in the draft. Judd, I understand you want to mock. Is that true? Oh, I want to mock, and I also want want to turn our TV, if possible, Mm -hmm. to the National Football League Network, where we can watch workouts from the Senior Bowl. This is where the NFL is genius. It never (laughs) stops. It never stops. We'll get into that. And also, is Larry Fitzgerald loyal or stupid, or maybe Judd thinks he's both? It's Purple Daily on Score North, Score North 1500, and we're back right after this. Of Minnesota sports, check out our package, scorenorth.com. Purple Daily on Score North on fifteen hundred scorenorth.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. It's easy. They're all at Score North S K 
KOR North. I'm Rami Makloff along with Judd Zolgad. Get in on the conversation at 651-646-8255 or tweet the show at Score North. Coming out of the break, Judd scrambling for the remote for our TCL uh, television here in the TCL broadcast studios to get the Senior Bowl on the TV. This is my favorite thing. Okay, so so this week is supposed to be... Basically, the off week, right? Yeah, this the is down, the NFL the, dead zone. The dead zone, yeah. the non. This is where where the National Football League is just genius, though. We have, all week long, senior bowl practices. And I'm not kidding you. They show them. They dissect them as we do our mock drafts, right? And so, so the senior bowl practices are on TV. They're talked about. The only thing that's not important is the actual game itself. Nobody cares about that. Executives, I think, go home. But we have a week in Mobile, Alabama, of basically discussions of arm length, hand size. I love arm length. That's my favorite attribute that they talk about with NFL draft prospects. Who arm was length. the Packer? Was it Brian Bulaga? It was Bulaga, yeah. Short arms short or short arms. hands? Yeah. Or uh, small hands? Short arms. Culpepper had the small hands, right? Yep. Who else had small hands? Small hands. Somebody else um, had small hands. Well, earlier in the year, we were when Cousins was fumbling a lot. We were we looked up his hand it. size. Yeah, was it? I think Andrew Luck. I think one of the raps on him was small hands, if I'm not really? mistaken, and smells like cabbage. Yeah, I think. He, I, think <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know the second part. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Andrew Luck had small hands, if I'm not mistaken. Some of this stuff. Culpepper did have small hands. No, by I the way. know oh, small yeah, mitts. Yeah, yeah. It was very disturbing. Far of huge mitts. But did it ever affect his game? I mean, oh, yeah, Culpepper can still yeah. sling. Dante, yeah, Dante was good, but he, he he did fumble a lot. He had 32 turnovers one year, and I think it was, he had like nine lost fumbles in a season along with 23 picks and it was 32, 32 turnovers for and the season. Brett had the huge mitts. Yeah, giant hands. But this also this also is the beginning of the time period that runs through, through the combine where teams get themselves in so much trouble because they hire all of these experts, right? And th- this is the week at the Senior Bowl where teams can start to sit down with guys and meet and talk to them. And I think one of the biggest thing that's, things that screws up teams is too much FaceTime. Right. I really like that kid. He's got the intangibles. Complete bust. I don't like that kid. I think he smoked weed once. Superstar player. Right. And, and the teams paralyze themselves in some ways with this notion that they're experts on people. But it is fun because the, the dissecting that goes on in this league for non-event events is off the charts. And I got to say, the NFL, from a marketing standpoint, is brilliant for the way that they plan out the news cycle. Not just this, but the timing of the draft, the timing of free agency. Mm -hmm. They find a way to keep the NFL in the headlines and front of mind for a lot of people. But, and I know I I already pissed you guys off with my target field take yesterday on Mackie and Judd. That was awful. Um, That was a terrible take. What take was that? And people actually agreed with you, too. That there should be... There should be off. a retractable roof on on Target Field. <laughs> Why don't you go back? Collar <laughs> Collar was asking go what what Minnesota sports moment would you sue over to try and correct? And mine was there should have been a, a retractable roof put on Target Field when when they built that thing. But I got to keep it open. Okay, we are okay. Well, that's mild compared to the vitriol he got from Mackie and myself. <laughs> and I know you guys aren't going to like this because uh, one of your favorite things I want to mock is mock drafts. Um, I gotta say, it mock drafts and the Senior Bowl and the Combine for me personally, 
And I don't know if you guys are just going to kick me off the show after this. It just doesn't do a whole lot for me, Judd. Oh, I'm totally with for you. For me personally. Oh, no. The, the okay. mock draft yeah, thing I'm is fun. You. It's right. fun because okay. it's so funny because everybody now does them. The amount of people and websites that do them is hysterical. But I admire football for being able to, for playing what, essentially 16 games. But it's, as you said, relevant year round. I admire that. It's off the charts silly. It's ridiculous. It's a, the only so the only things in the off season that I actually enjoy the free agency period. I think is a lot of fun. It's fantastic. It's well done. It's fun. The draft, and I know people are going to say oh, you're not a true sports radio guy because you just said that. But my God, I can't sit down unless I have to and actually watch people's names. I, the first round is fine, Thank okay? You. The first round is fine. Yeah. But but the fact that the league has turned this into a 3-day primetime event by the time you ugh. get to by the time you get to rounds 2, 3 and 4, like you're just kind of like checking your phone. Okay, who do the Vikings take at at, you know, 88 or something like, like that. For my liking, they could literally especially after the first round do the draft on Twitter. Like, just tweet mm-hmm. out the names who went to the different teams. That's as as satisfying to me as Roger Goodell or whoever his lackey is and that comes combine, up for the later rounds, walking up to a podium and saying a name. And the combine is pure folly. I mean, the com- the combine <laughs> is is nonsense. Teams actually go and and again they outsmart themselves. I think that there have been as many bad decisions made because of the combine or more than good ones. Because teams are there and they fall in love with a guy and you're like, what are you doing? You know, or per- they overlook a guy. Percy Harvin failed and now he was a moron and I get it. Okay. But Percy Harvin failed the drug test because he had smoked weed knowingly before the, the combine. He knew he was going to be tested. He failed. That is stupid. But he fell into the 20s. Percy Harvin was a pain in the rump. But if you go back and look at that guy at the start of his career, he's a top five pick. Mm-hmm. You would take those first yes. few years. And teams passed judgment on this guy, and he was a pain, and he was not a great human being, and he smoked weed. I don't care. He was good enough. Look at Randy Moss and Warren Sapp and how they slipped in the draft because they smoked a little weed. Exactly. Yeah, the, and the Moss one is the all-timer. The fact that teams convinced themselves... That Randy Moss was going to be when when you got a glimpse at that guy, maybe the greatest talent ever at the wide he receiver the position. He, yeah, cha- he changed the game. I don't like him personally. He was a first ballot. Everybody had to say yes. Walk into the Hall of Fame type of guy. Speaking of Hall of Fame wide receivers, it's sort of the antithesis of Randy Moss when you talk about yeah. the attitude and the personality and whether or not you liked him. Larry Fitzgerald he signs a one year contract today to play his sixteenth season with the Arizona Cardinals, and he's sort of on the year-to-year plan where he's just signing one-year contracts and he'll decide to retire when he decides to retire. I thought this would be it for him, Judd, mainly just because he's still pretty productive from an individual standpoint, especially given his age, but I just thought that the direction of the Arizona Cardinals and he seems to be a guy who's pretty dead set on playing his whole career with one team in one city that he would just throw his hands up and go, you know what? We're not going to get where I'm trying to go. Let me just pull the plug on this thing now. I feel kind of bad for the guy, honestly. He is a really good guy. He is a Hall of Fame talent, and I like him a lot. But I guess my question is, is why? Not why do you keep playing. I get that. Why do you keep going back there? It's the Arizona Cardinals. 
You know, I guess I could justify I justify it a little bit more if this was a heritage franchise and that they had fallen on some tough times, but you said to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go down as a New York Giant forever. I will be a Giant. All right, I sort of get that one. But why wouldn't you pull the plug on the team and say, you know, I've been around a long time. I'm really good. I don't have to be a star now. I can be a complimentary receiver that can certainly help a team offensively. I am at least going to take a shot at a ring by going to take your pick, the Patriots. Right. But even if even if the Cardinals, let's say the Cardinals did have this long-standing history of winning and championships and all this other stuff, even then, like his legacy there is already cemented. I know. So why would he even? Even if that's even if the Cardinals had this long, rich history of winning, I mean, you're you're you're. I'm just trying to justify. It. I'm yeah. trying to justify like, I the don't, why. I don't. I don't, get I, don't it. I don't get it either. I think. I, don't get it either. I think athletes sometimes, almost delusionally, but in the best way possible, convince themselves that things are possible that are not possible. That's how they reach these heights. You're right. In their yeah. careers, that they reach. But I can't imagine. I agree completely with what that. You just there said. is right. a yeah. side of Larry Fitzgerald that realistically foresees them returning to glory before his playing days are up. And the other thing about Fitzy is nobody on, on God's green earth would blame him if he came home. No. Like if Fitzy decided, I'm pulling the plug with the Cardinals, the Vikings aren't a bad team. Right. We we talk about them like they're bad. They're not bad. They got some problems, but they're not bad. And Fitzy as a three here, mm-hmm. at receiver, at this point in his life and career, w- would be perfect. You know, if you wanna if you wanna chase a ring but put the happiest face on the chase as possible as you leave the Cardinals, nobody, including anybody in Arizona, would say, Larry, you can't do that if he said, I'm signing for one last year as a Viking. Right. The team that I was a ball boy for when CC played here. I just I just something just dawned on me right now. Judd only brought this topic to the table so he could put out his pipe dream of Larry Fitzgerald. Coming back home to play for the Minnesota Vikings. That's the only reason that we're having this not discussion really a pipe, at all. Nah, it's really not a pipe dream. I just I don't understand. I don't I don't understand why he keeps going back there. It it doesn't make <laughs> a lot of sense. That's the one play. Like yeah, I said, th- sign with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers a year with Aaron. You know he can go wherever he wants. Go to the Patriots. Patriots exactly. I just don't. The, the thing about going back to the Arizona Cardinals who aside from, what, about a, a three- to five-year span in my life have been basically a dumpster fire. Yeah. Like, there have probably been about five years of, of Judd Zolgat's sports fan life where the Cardinals have been a good team. Do you, think, do you think he's just that loyal of a guy, or is it what I just talked about, that he's convinced himself somehow, some way, that they'll get there? I don't know. I, I think yeah. you're... I think door number two is a really good one. Because I've seen this before. Athletes, the ability of athletes to suspend reality and the and the actual belief of things is incredible. And you say to yourself, it's stupid, only it's why they succeed. My ability to suspend disbelief and put things out there that are incredibly stupid is, you put a dome, is off the charts. You want to put a dome on target field. And I want to replay the <laughs> NFC Championship game. You know what? I can go down that road. I can't go down a stupid roof being on my stadium after I was stuck in the Metrodome. That's Judd Zolgad. He'll be back for Mackie and Judd with Rami at 4 o'clock. I'll be back right after this for Touch Em All, talking some twins next on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.